Hey, hello. Welcome to the Women in Big Data Brussels podcast, where we talk about big data topics with diversity and inclusiveness in mind. We do this to inspire you and to connect, engage, grow and champion the success of women in big data. The aim of this podcast is to reveal to you what you can do with big data, how organizations and societies use it and the potential of big data to create a better future for everyone. The more you can understand your business, the risk that they're taking, how they're trying to make revenue and who their clients are, you just get so many more opportunities and your career can be much more enriching at that point. In this seventh episode, Valerie and I talk about business skills and career growth with Erica Lunsford, Senior Vice President Consent and Solutions at Pianova. We cover decision making, giving direction to your team, personal development, career opportunities, mentoring, and developing your financial skills. Let's start. Welcome, Erica. Thanks for joining Valerie and me to talk about uh, business skills and career growth. And of course, we are very interested. What role did business skills play in your career? Well, thank you for having me, Desiree and Valerie. It's really nice to be here today. And just to give a brief background around my career trajectory, right now I work in a startup called PureNova, and we're putting together a new solution for large global banks that allows them to evaluate their OTC derivatives better. And I'm the SVP for that, so I really run it from a P&L perspective. And so that's both on the business side as well as on the technical side to make sure that the product is meeting the needs. So prior to that, I worked for BMY Mellon in their innovation space, which went across all their different lines of business. And so I've traditionally worked in product management, business analysis type roles, even though I initially started my career as a developer. I quickly moved pretty much into those project management and business analysis areas. And so that's always been a passion of mine. And so I naturally fell into learning business skills because I tended to be a bridge between technology and business as we were going through. What I've found is really valuable with having the business skills is that as you learn your industry's business and you learn your company's business and you understand what makes them money. And that is the main driver in business as people are trying to make money. And when you understand what drives that, like who are the clients? What do the clients need? All those types of questions then make you more valuable to your organization and to the industry as a whole. Once you have that type of knowledge, it really gives you some nice advantages in your role. One is that you can really be a meaningful partner. So you always hear this term from technology people, especially at large organizations where you've got IT and then you've got multiple business units and they always talk about the business. Well, who is the business? And so the more you can understand what the business does and who you're partnering with, then you can actually sit at the table with them. You can be part of the decisioning process. You can contribute ideas. And people actually seek you out because they realize that you understand what they're trying to do and you understand how technology marries to that. And so that could be with data solutions, AI, even infrastructure. You know, people who are in infrastructure sometimes think that they're very far away from the business, but actually infrastructure can have a huge value to the business. One little example, I was working on a program at one point 
And there's two ways to write to the data center. One is asynchronously and the other synchronously. Being able to explain that difference to the business and allowing them to make a decision on how they wanted their data move and what types of risks they were taking makes it very valuable to them. The more you can understand your business, the risks that they're taking, how they're trying to make revenue and who their clients are, you just get so many more opportunities and your career can be much more enriching at that point. Does that also mean it's important to be kind of linking pin? That's what you observed at the beginning of your career. As you said, you started as a developer, but soon already started with project management and leadership. You know, back when I started my career, there were clear lines between those roles. You had project managers, you had business analysts, you had developers, and it was pretty well delineated. I think that in our modern technology world, there's more blurring. And so even for people who have their hands on the keyboard, for them to have that knowledge and be a resource to their business is super valuable. I actually worked with a man who was sought out by the business as well because he was writing a lot of algorithmic software to help optimize securities and the placement of those securities within our client base. He was an extreme technologist, really good at what he did. And the business wanted to talk to him because they understood that he could translate for them what he was doing. If they explained their business to him, then he would be able to automate it better and offer new solutions. So I think you have that capability, even if you're not in a quote unquote bridging business role. Being a person with your hands on the keyboard and building relationships with the business is really important. That's a point that I really put on highlight for my team to make them understanding that it's important to ask questions. Even you work on the technical side, speak to your business, ask some questions, try to understand the process, the business processes, because it's very variable for the understanding of the data behind, of the analytics and the AI. And those folks who have that knowledge of both the technology and the business are the ones who end up in the leadership roles because they're the ones who are going to work with the business on a day-to-day basis. So that's how you get your career progression. And what I often read in research is that women are risk averse. And actually, I recognize that because I had it myself that you see that men apply when they have 60% of the skills for the job that they are applying to and often Not all, but women want to be sure that they have 100% of the skills before they go for a job. Is that something also that you recognize, Erica? Thinking back, I also had issues with this early on in my career. And I was trying to think about what the causes of those were. I'm also watching my daughters grow into adulthood at this point and seeing them go through some of these things. And then I work with a lot of people who have entered their careers And I think it kind of breaks down to one is understanding what authority means. So what risk taking really is, is making decisions, right? And who has the authority? I think there's also one other aspect to that that people forget, which is that not making a decision is also a risk. You have to think about both of those. Now, why do people not make decisions? Well, they're not sure if they have the authority to make the decision. They're afraid that they're going to make the wrong decision and they have a lot of anxiety. So when I was younger, I had a ton of anxiety. I mean, I remember my stomach and my throat. Every time somebody would say something to me, I would blush. I really had a lot of anxiety when I was younger. 
And it took me some time to get over that. And the way you get over that is confidence. And how do you get confidence? Well, you have to make decisions so that you know your decision-making abilities are okay. You have to have that confidence in yourself. And in order to do that, sometimes you're going to fail and you have to accept failure. There's a lot packed into what I just said there. If you think about somebody who's a high achiever, maybe in their teens, they were like straight A students and really smart and they're perfect on everything. The first time they fail, it's really hard for them. And you see that like when people go to college for the first time and now they're like the little fish in the big pond instead of the big fish in the little pond, all those types of life transitions start to get you more comfortable with failure. And knowing that when you fail, you actually learn so much. You learn so much more from a failure than from a success. And especially if you can be very honest and upfront about your failure, explain what went wrong and be able to stand behind that. Now, I'm not advocating for taking irresponsible risks, okay? I'm talking about thoughtful risks here. And those thoughtful risks also means that you might collaborate with other people. In fact, you should be collaborating with other people. But I think the method here that you should take is really when you identify a problem, and it could be a very small problem, instead of asking your boss for the solution, do a little bit of thinking on your own, write down what you think the solution to the problem is, and make a recommendation to your boss. When you start making recommendations to your boss, you've actually de-risked your risk-taking a little bit there. What you've done is you've gone out on a limb. You've said, this is what I think the solution is, and this is why. So you have some rationale there. You know you've thought through this. You present that to your boss or maybe a peer or whoever that is, and you get feedback. And then that feedback lets you know where you might have missed something or maybe you didn't understand something. It grows your knowledge and then you can start to feel comfortable where you're like, wow, I was pretty close on that. I think I can do this. I can make these types of decisions and you get confidence from that and then you implement it. Then once you implement it, you're like, okay, what went right with this and what went wrong? What could have I done better in my upfront decision-making that would have maybe prevented some of the issues I ran into while I was going through the process? And that's a way of improving yourself. And do you recognize that in your career, Valerie, that you were risk at first in the beginning? Of course. As Erika said, I tried to find my own solution and push my proposal. I was pushed by my manager to do this. So I had the chance to have this push to grow and present the solution and explain why. And that's really a key point I help for this. I think that's super key, Valerie, what you just talked about. So for us who are further along in our careers, what are we doing to help the people who work on our teams or across from us? to take on this type of practice as well. Are we asking them, well, what do you think? How would you go about making this decision? So I think pushing people to do that is helping to develop people. And that's really how we can advocate for other women is to teach them these skills. What I had to learn is to share my failures with people around me. And then I felt that they were supporting me and said, but this is normal. Yeah, I think being able to talk about those things, it's okay. Everybody goes through this at a point. Sometimes when we get so inside our heads, we think we're the only ones like this. And then once you start to talk to other people, you realize how common something is. 
is and how you're not that unique. You know, I absolutely agree. That's also a nice way of looking at it. You're not that unique. <laughs> yeah, we're all much more similar than we are different. So I think recognizing that and finding people who can be your people that you talk to. And the sooner that you can talk about a failure too, like especially in the workplace, if you can talk about a problem that happened, the sooner that happens, the sooner it can be addressed. Get help, ask for help as you're going through the process. So talking about making decisions, what can the listeners do to improve that? Because what kind of decisions do you need to make to grow your career? We already talked about being open, communicating about it. Are there other things that you would like to add? I was thinking about a woman that I worked with at BNY Mellon during the reform project, and she was an executive. And I remember watching her during some pretty intense times when we were working with the regulators, the different business departments, and with the clients. So it's a balancing of all those different constituencies. That's what running a business is all about. And you could see her decision process where she would ask different people around the table for their different perspectives. And then she would immediately take all that information in. She would make the decision and then she would give an action plan. Sometimes things were not as immediate because she would say, well, we need more information on this. And she would send people off to go get more information. But it was all about bringing people together. I think joint decision making is a really interesting thing. You've got to bring people together, but you can't make the decision by committee. So there's definitely someone sitting there who has the authority to say, we're going to go left or right but they're taking in information from everybody. And they're also listening to people's recommendations as to why this is better versus that. It's a very decisive process where you're bringing that information together. As soon as you feel like you have enough and you've had all this experience, you make the decision and you start to act on it. I think what's really important in decision-making then is to hold people accountable to your decisions. So if you're making a decision and everyone's agreed to that decision, then hold people accountable to that decision. Don't rethink the decision as you're going through. And I don't mean that you won't adjust if you get new information, but you have to have some conviction to carry that forward then, have the confidence to carry forward that business decision. And really, I think that timeliness is important because if you wait too long, so making no decision is a risk as well. And then people don't know what to do, especially when you're running larger teams. You have to be giving them direction. And so that's what people are looking for when they're moving people up through an organization is do they have the confidence to make decisions on a timely basis? And is their decision-making process pretty correct? And do they understand how to revise their decisions appropriately? So is it data-driven? Are they collaborating with others to make their decision or are they using their ego to do so? You really have to think about those types of things. And when you're developing people, teaching them to do that in yourself, thinking about, am I being stubborn? Am I not listening to people who are going to make my decision better? So those are all factors that you have to take into account. I think making decisions, even though you have authority and there's different types of authority, there's given authority, there's earned authority. There's authority by knowledge, which comes back to your business knowledge. How much do you know about the business so that you can make that type of decision? And having all of those come together is actually a humble process. You have to recognize that you're not always going to be right. 
And you then have to own it and admit when you were wrong. All of that is humility, if you think about it, right? And asking people to be accountable to it, you're asking favors for people. So I like to think about things as a as always a client relationship. Everyone's my client. My employees are, my partners are. Everyone's a client. How am I helping people? And if you have that frame of mind, I think you're going to make the best decisions because you're not making the decision for you. You're making it for your team or for your company. And then you get recognized for that, which pushes you forward into your career. And Valerie, how do you make decisions as a leader within your organization? In fact, analyze the current situation and what is the risk if we don't move and the risk if we move <laughs> and make uh -huh. the pro and cons for each other. It's okay if the decision is not good. We can fail, but we need to learn from this. That's why it's important to make decisions because even if it's a fail, you have to learn and then the next time you make a better decision. I understand. And Erica, did you have a kind of career growth plan? I always kind of looked at, was I going tangentially the right direction? I wish I would have had more of a strategy in my career, <laughs> but I didn't. A lot of it was by chance. I ended up in the right places at the right time, but I did take advantage of those, meaning that I capitalized on them. I always drove with a natural sense of curiosity, always wanted to learn more. And was always really willing to change too. So being open-minded, changing, looking for that next opportunity. And I think it's important in career growth to think about how you're going to grow in a given position. What types of opportunities are you going to have? Are you going to stay on the same career track? I think there's a lot of value in moving laterally. Because when you move laterally, you learn different skills, you learn different parts of the business, and you get a more holistic picture versus if you're just always trying to move up. Erica, you said, I wish I had a kind of strategy. If you now would give the listeners advice, what kind of strategy would you recommend to them? Deborah Scrow and I actually run a mentoring program, a peer mentoring program out of the Bay Area chapter of Women in Big Data. And it's called Getting From Here to There. And what we really do is work with a group of women to help them envision where they want to be, to analyze what you need to be there, and then doing a skills inventory to compare what they have. And skills include knowledge too. So like, do they have the right business knowledge? Do they have the right soft skills? Do they have the right technical skills? So, but do an inventory analysis against what you think you need to get there and what you have today and start to take pieces of those and develop yourself and break those into 90-day plans, basically. And then reconsider that over time. Is that still where you want to go? Or have you now worked in some other positions or gained some skills? And now you're like, I can't imagine doing that on a daily basis. Maybe I should change where I want to go. It's okay to change. You just have to recognize why. It's not because it's too hard, but you're changing because you actually don't want that anymore. When you're first starting your career, you have different visions about where you want to be. If you decide and you have a family, you're making different decisions at that point as to, well, maybe I need a job with more flexibility. Maybe I need something else right now. And you're making that conscious decision. And then as your family leaves, then you're thinking about, okay, what am I going to do next? Maybe I'm going to switch careers altogether, or I'm going to take on a lot more responsibility. And so it's a constant evaluation process. 
But keeping a vision out there, I think is really healthy because it's motivating. You can like imagine yourself there. Deb and I have gone through four cohorts so far. And so I'm just going to give a little plug. Please go to womeninbigdata.org and look and see about joining that program. It's actually a global program. And so it's been pretty interesting. Do you have some recommendations of resources that the listeners can use to grow their career and to know more about business skills? I was thinking about business skills and how you grow those business skills. A key thing is understanding financial statements. When you look at a company and they're all public, they're out there. So go read a financial statement, especially for maybe the company you work for, or maybe if you're at a smaller company and you're not public yet, then go look at in your industry, read one, just see what's on that and what the executives are saying about their company, what they're trying to do. Look at the actual numbers and try to figure out what those numbers are. What's a PE ratio? Why is the stock price this instead of that? I think getting that business acumen, because that's what businesses are doing to run their business. That's their metric. Go look at those financial statements, I would say. I think the other really key thing for building relationships and that happened to me early in my career is that I was sent to Dale Carnegie Sales. I learned how to sell. I'm now in business development, but I wasn't always in sales positions. In fact, most of my career, I was not. I would be in sales support roles or product management or business analysis. But those skills are key because it helps you think about what other people are thinking about. And that then provides a way to collaborate with people. So I think taking a sales class, even if you're not a salesperson, helps you understand business a lot. I absolutely agree. That's also what I saw in my career. You could better understand your company, the bottom line. Yeah, exactly. And I think I lucked out in that my first job, I was working on a system that was about commission payout in the securities industry. And by doing that, I had to learn where the money was coming from, where it needed to go to. And if you follow the money, you can understand the business processes, you can understand the business itself. And so, like I said, I didn't have like a firm career strategy, but I lucked into certain positions that allowed me to learn. And then I took advantage of those and learned as much as I could. Okay. And Erica, is there something you would like to share with us that I didn't ask you yet? I think you covered it all, Desiree. (laughs) So thank you. Erica, Valerie, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. I also learned from it. So thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Women in Big Data Brussels podcast. We appreciate it if you get in touch with us to provide your feedback or request to partner up and be a guest. You can contact us via datawomen at protonmail.com. That is datawomen at protonmail.com. You also find our contact details in the show notes. Tune in next time.